to Burlington Baptist Church. My name is Jonathan Brewster and I am the uh, young adult and college student pastor here at the church. I'd just like to take a moment and uh, welcome you guys and thank you for coming out for this special uh, Good Friday service. Uh, we are excited to be here tonight and just to reflect on the sacrifice of our Savior together and just to bring him praise. If you are a guest with us here tonight, I'd like to encourage you to get one of our connection cards. Uh, you can either grab one of those at the desk right out in the atrium, or you can actually scan those QR codes that are on the back of the chair in front of you. Um, and those connection cards just allow us to uh, just get a little bit of your information and to kind of touch base with you after visiting with us and just uh, kind of keep up with you a little bit. And so, uh, if you're watching with us online tonight, thank you guys for watching. We are excited that you're here. We're excited to be worshiping with you. And I'd like to just highlight one thing for you all this evening. Uh, we have our Easter services coming up on Sunday morning. We have one at 8 o'clock, one at 9.30, and one at 11 o'clock. And so we're excited to have that opportunity to just uh, celebrate that Easter morning together. Uh, if you're a long-time attender with us, we'd like to encourage you to come to one of the earlier services because we're going to try to make sure that we've got room for everybody at that 11 o'clock service. And we're just excited to get together and uh, praise God. And so as we continue with this Good, Good Friday service, I'd like to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for everything that you've done for us, and we thank you for this opportunity to get together on this Friday evening and just worship you and reflect on the sacrifice that Christ paid for us. 
God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we're going to sing a couple of more songs, and uh, as we do, we just want you guys to sit and sing with us and reflect on uh, what tonight really means. Uh, we, as Harold and I were talking about this week, this is, if you're a Christian, this is our holiday. This is the big deal. So I want you to reflect on that.
Anybody need to let out a hallelujah? 
Yeah, your debt's been paid. That's worth a hallelujah. Amen. Good to see you tonight. I was thinking, uh, Greg said your first uh, Easter. I was thinking last year we had to tape our uh, Good Friday service maybe on a Monday night or something. I think we did Good Friday on Monday night and Sunday service on Tuesday night. And uh, I'm glad we're here tonight and in the room and uh, get to celebrate. Yay. Good to, good to have you tonight. Thank you for joining us. And uh, so this whole year we've been going through a series called Turning Our Eyes Upon Jesus. And uh, tonight we look to the cross and we see Jesus as our Savior. And uh, we, we've looked at multiple aspects of the life of Jesus. And there's, just, there's none more important than uh, that of Savior. And uh, Savior means... Uh, the one who redeems us from our sins. And that's what Jesus did. He's the rescuer of our souls. And uh, Savior reminds us that Jesus died for our sins. And what sinners most need is a Savior. And uh, Jesus came with the mission, Luke 19.10, the Son of Man comes to seek and to save the lost. And uh, that word saved there, sozo, is uh, it's used primarily of God rescuing believers from the penalty and the power of sin and into the provision of eternal life. And so uh, I'm going to look at tonight, John chapter 19, 28 through 30. John 19, I'd love for you to stand and we'll honor God's word. As we consider Jesus as our Savior, Jesus is on the cross. It says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the Spirit. Jesus said, it is finished. And we're going to look at tonight how that is the greatest word of triumph ever spoken. It is finished. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the cross, and we look back these 2,000 years, and we're just reminded of how much you love us, and that we were sinners, and, and Jesus would go and uh, take on our sin, bear the wrath that we deserve, drink the cup of of your wrath, Father, for us. And uh, we're thankful that he would do that. We're thankful that uh, we're no longer in bondage to sin. We've been set free. Our price has been paid. I, I pray for just a few minutes tonight we can be reminded of all that Jesus accomplished for us at the cross. And we pray that you'll be glorified in these few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, uh, here in verse 30, uh, Jesus cries out, it is finished. That's just one word in the Greek. It's tetelestai. That word means to bring to a close, to finish, to end, to accomplish, to complete, uh, to carry the contents to, to, the, to the end. And so I, I remember in, in life, I've taken lots of classes, and I, I can remember the feeling when you take that last exam for the semester. Or, or you finish that final paper. Anybody remember how good it feels when you get that final paper done? Or, or maybe when you make that final payment on that car that you've been paying for forever? Or we used to raise tobacco, and you remember that picking up that last stick of tobacco, or even better, when you pull that last strip off, and you're done. Now it's time to, now it's time to, to go sell it. Or, or one time I, I finished a, a marathon, and I was just so glad to see that finish line. And, uh, and th that, that's the feeling. Finished is a, is a beautiful word. Uh, sometimes you're going on vacation. You remember when you was working in the factory and vacation was next week and it gets to 5 o'clock on Friday? And you think, wow, it's done. So as I study uh, John 19, verse 30, uh, I think when Jesus uttered uh, that word, telestai, I don't think it was so much a word of anguish as it was a victory cry. It's that feeling we get when we finish a project or we complete a task or we follow the course to the end. And it's magnified so much more when we think about what Jesus did for us. 
And so John records the greatest task that's ever been attempted and completed to perfection, and Jesus says it's finished. And we just say, wow. Uh, now, maybe I've not conveyed the, uh, the importance of this word spoken by our Lord on the cross when he said it's finished. This, J. Oswald Sanders said, is the greatest single word ever uttered. The greatest single word ever uttered. J. Flavel adds, here is a sea of matter in a drop of language. Harold Best says, every time we hear those words, it is finished, uttered from the lips of our Lord. We ought to just stand up on our feet and, and give praise to the Lord. It is finished. He finished it for us, church. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. And so here tonight, it is not a cry of anguish. It is a declaration of victory. You know, when, when NASA lands a, a perfect mission, they, they don't cry when it's over. They, they celebrate the accomplishment. Well, Jesus came with a mission. Uh, he, listen, he didn't come to earth to, uh, to take a break from being God in heaven, and he, he thought, well, I'll try being a... No, he came with a mission, and that mission was to come and to die for our sins. John four thirty four. Jesus said to them, My food, or my desire, is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And so Jesus' mission was to complete the Father's will. Everything that he did was directed towards that end. John 17, 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And so listen, everything that Jesus did, this was not plan B. This was the plan of God for all eternity. His mission was clear, to do the Father's will. Nothing else, nothing more, nothing less. He didn't come to be a celebrity, a politician, a statesman. No, he came to be a Savior. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly did he finish? What is it that he completed? What did he have in mind when he uttered those words, it is finished? Well, let me just give you a few things, and I, I can't get into them all. But first of all, Jesus, as our Savior, fulfilled the Scriptures. We see that in verse 28. Uh, he, he cried, I thirst. That was to fulfill Scriptures. There are over 300 specific prophecies detailing the coming and the life of the Messiah. And, uh, and so the, the prophets and the prophecies were fulfilled. Now, Isaiah 53 told us about a suffering servant. And that was being fulfilled on the cross. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we're healed. All that is being fulfilled as Jesus hangs on the cross. And, and so when Jesus was offered this, this sour wine to, to give him some moisture in his mouth so he could utter some more, that was a fulfillment of Psalm 69, 21. So Jesus knew that there wasn't one single scripture up to that point that remained unfulfilled. He came to finish it. And so we know that God's word was fulfilled. And it's always, God's word is always trustworthy and true. And guess what? It's still trustworthy and true. All these, listen, all these prophecies, all the promises, they're all going to be fulfilled to completion. Not only was the, the prophets and the prophecies fulfilled, but the law was fulfilled. The law was fulfilled. Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. And so we can ask the question, well, how did Jesus fulfill the, the law? Well, he fulfilled it by obeying it perfectly. Well, there, there wasn't anything wrong with the law. It was holy and just and good. God gave it to his people for our good. The problem is with us. We are sinners and we can't keep it. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Listen, church, if our only hope was in keeping God's law, we're in a heap of trouble because we, we can't keep them. We break every one of them, but not Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He fulfilled the law perfectly. Galatians chapter 3, let me read a few of these verses. Galatians 3, verse 21. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the Scriptures imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. 
So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. And so before Jesus' death on the cross, we were prisoners. We were in bondage by the law. But Paul says the law does not produce righteousness. It was never meant to. It was meant to point us to Christ. And so in Galatians 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem. We remember what that means. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. Listen, we could never, ever, ever work our way into the family of God. But Christ came and He removed the curse of the law. And now we can be adopted into His family through faith. Now I've shared the biography of, of uh, the great reformer, Martin Luther. Uh, he lived months in sorrow and torment. He couldn't sleep. He would cry out, oh, my sin, my sin, my sin. And he was so grieved by his sin. And it was only after the careful study of scriptures that he realized that Christ had freed him from the curse of sin. And so instead of saying, oh, my sin, he began to cry, oh, my Savior, my Savior, my Savior. The law makes us aware of our sin, our wrongdoing. It shows us of our hopelessness. But when we come to Jesus as our Savior, when we come to Jesus through faith, we're declared righteous before God. And it's not by works of righteousness that we do. It's by His grace that we're saved. And so salvation comes by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And so Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. Secondly, I like this one. Jesus as our Savior finished off Satan. Jesus finished off Satan. Anybody like to amen that one? Some of you like that song, Devil Went Down in Georgia. Listen, the devil, <laughs> devil went down in Jerusalem. That's where it happened. Uh, Satan's doom was sealed on the cross. Hebrews 2 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing, or Jesus became flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Now let me just go through this verse. Jesus shared in our flesh and blood, and so he became man, so that through death, through his death on the cross, he, that's Jesus, might destroy, that word means to render powerless, that he might destroy the one who has the power of death. And that was Satan. And so until the death of Christ, the devil strutted around like a peacock. And uh, he was proud of his grip on the hopelessness of humanity in their sin. But Christ's death at Calvary, Satan was rendered powerless. He was rendered powerless. And so we ought to say hallelujah to that. And so we have been delivered. We've been delivered from the fear of death. Now, we know death still has a sting. We felt the sting of death, but we've been delivered from the fear of death. And so I don't have to live in fear of death. I, I, I want to live. I want to live for my family. I want to run this race as long as I can. But we have been delivered from the fear of death through Jesus Christ. Chuck Swindoll said he compared the devil and his certain doom to playing chess with the real pro. Any chess players in here? Anybody? Nobody played chess? Yes, Bob does. All right, we've got a few. He said this, if you know someone who is a real pro at chess, take my advice. Don't waste your time playing against him. You can't win. Nobody knows this better than the devil. He's playing a pro, and he knows it. He keeps making his moves, but he's already been defeated. It is finished, and church Satan got slammed. Amen. I love saying that. Listen, we like that saying when Satan reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future, and his future is a lake of fire. And so sometimes we need to remind him that. We, we read about that on Sunday. He's going to be cast into the lake of fire. And, so. and then finally, Jesus, as our Savior, finalized our salvation. And uh, we know that he came to seek and to save the lost. We know that he sealed the deal on the cross. Let me give you two words, and I'll, I'll be brief with this. Two words uh, to discuss how he, he finalized our salvation. The first word is Substitution. Sometimes we speak of the substitutionary atonement of Christ. That means that Christ became our substitute. 
A substitute is someone who takes the place of someone else. Well, listen, atonement means to cover over. And so Jesus' death on the cross was a complete covering over of our sins on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5.15, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. And so Jesus died as a substitute. He died on our behalf. Instead of us dying, which is what we deserve, Jesus died in our place. And so we go back to the Old Testament. Only the blood of animal sacrifices could atone or cover the sins of people. But the animal sacrifices could never permanently remove sin. Only a perfect sacrifice could do that. And so when Jesus hung on the cross, he took all the sin for all time upon himself. And so when we come to Romans, it says the wages of sin is death. And we realize that we're sinners and we deserve our wages for our sin is death. We realize that Jesus took what we deserved. He died in my place. He died in your place. Now, how do we know that Christ's atoning sacrifice, how do we know that it finalized our salvation? Well, the second word is satisfaction. We know that Christ's death completed his work of atonement because God raised Jesus from the dead. And so we're going to come back on Sunday, and uh, we're going to get excited about the resurrection when the Father raised the Son, it represented His stamp of approval on this whole transaction. And so Peter's preaching to the Athenians in Acts 17.31, and he says this, Because He has fixed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom He has appointed. Now we know who the man is, it's Jesus. And of this He has given assurance to all by raising Him from the dead. And so the resurrection proved that the holy, just, righteous demands, the wrath of God had been satisfied. Tom, he took Jesus' propitiation for our sins. It's been satisfied. Another reason that we know that Jesus completed our salvation is because he went back to heaven and the Lord is now seated at the right hand of the Father and it's because the mission has been accomplished. The mission is accomplished. Listen, my Lord never started anything that he couldn't finish. We do sometimes, but he didn't. He's never started something he couldn't finish. And so we have eternal security. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work is able to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so the Father was satisfied. He received the Son's sacrifice as full payment for sin. He seated him on the throne, and he sent the Holy Spirit to begin his remarkable work in the church. And so this will be our hope for all glory. Uh, listen, I want to give my last breath to proclaiming this message because it means everything. It brings comfort and peace. And listen, the only way that you're going to enter heaven is based upon the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Ian Thomas said, the life that Jesus lived qualified him for the death that he died. And the death that he died qualifies us for the life that he lived. Now, that's a tongue twister, but it's the truth of the gospel. Let me say it again. The life, the sinless life that Jesus lived qualified him for the death that he died, and the death that he died qualifies us for the life that he lived. And so Jesus said it is finished. He meant the sacrifice for sin, the atonement, our salvation was complete. Now, there's some paper eye in, in, in ancient uh, Alexandria in Egypt, uh, has been recovered, and uh, there's this word, teletelestai, stamped on it. And when you find a piece of paper with that stamped on it, it means that it has been paid in full, paid in full. And so when I think about that, I, I, I kind of try to think about judgment, and I, I think about standing before God, and, you know, Satan, he, he wants to bring out all these probably books of records. If, if it's me, he's probably got books and books of records, and all these transgressions and sins and and uh i don't know some of you might have bigger books than me but i know mine's big enough 
but he brings out all these charges and he builds his case against me and it's not looking good and then Jesus comes and he's got one of these stamps and he's got Teletelestai on his stamp and he just stamps it and it's paid in full. That's what Jesus accomplished on the cross. He paid the debt. And uh, we don't deserve that. Um, Christ has paid my sin debt in full. And that's such, church, it's such a beautiful word. It is finished. And listen, there's not a question mark at the end of it. It is finished. And so don't put a question mark where there should be an exclamation mark. The account has been paid in full. Church, we, we enjoy Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation because we are in Christ. And so Jesus paid for my sins. Uh, I've received that gift through faith. And uh, he has made me glad. Amen. He's made me glad. Hudson Taylor, I, I'll finish with this. He, he's a great missionary to China. And if you ever want to read some biographies, read about Hudson Taylor. But he was converted at age 17. But his conversion story is remarkable. One afternoon, Hudson went to his father's library. He was just looking for, some, he was looking for a book to pass some time. And he, he come across a, a gospel track. And it looked interesting. And he said to himself, there'll be a story at the beginning and a sermon at the end. I'll read the story and skip the sermon. And you know what he's talking about. I'll take the story, I'll skip the sermon. But I know he was unaware that his mother was 70 or 80 miles away, and she felt moved to pray for Hudson. And she went into a room with an intense yearning for his conversion. And she turned the key in the door, and she was resolved not to leave that spot until her prayers were answered. Hour after hour, she continued pleading until that length she arose with glad assurance that the object of her prayers had already been accomplished. Now the title of that little track that Hudson Taylor picked up was called, It Is Finished. And in the course of reading that track, Hudson came upon the expression, the finished work of Christ. And he asked the question, what was finished? And he realized the full and perfect atonement and satisfaction for sin. He realized that our sin debt was paid by the substitute and Christ had died for our sins. And his next thought was, if the whole work was finished and the whole debt paid, what is there left for me to do? Then came the blessed realization that there was nothing in the world to be done but to fall down on his knees in prayer. And in faith, he accepted the salvation wrought by Jesus. Thus, says Hudson, while my dear mother was praising God on her knees in her chamber, I was praising Him in the old warehouse to which I had gone alone to read at my leisure this little track called, It Is Finished. And so church tonight, as we remember the cross, everything, everything was finished on the cross for our salvation. And all you have to do is come in faith and receive this wonderful completed most excellent gift of salvation and you receive it by turning from your sins and believing upon Jesus Christ and so he finished it have you received it he finished it maybe tonight will you receive it he finished it uh, let's take a few minutes tonight and remember he finished it uh, we'll take a few minutes tonight to celebrate. We'll observe the Lord's Supper, and we'll be reminded, and we'll celebrate Jesus' sacrifice for our sins and His completion of His mission to, to save us. Will you stand with me and, and just bow for just a moment, and, and we're going to pray. And uh, If you'd like to receive the gift of salvation tonight, I'd love to talk to you tonight. Uh, I want to invite you tonight to just spend some time preparing your heart. Uh, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper uh, after this song. And so let's pray. Father, we recognize tonight that Jesus paid it all. All to Him we owe. We're so thankful tonight of that cry of victory. Lord, we can never pay for our sins. Some will spend eternity trying to pay for them. But Jesus came and took all of our sin, all my thoughts, evil thoughts, words, actions, lust, 
greed, deception, all that stuff. Took it all. And by his blood, he, he stamped paid in full. It is finished. We just want to celebrate that tonight. And Lord, I pray that if there's a person here, maybe someone listening online who's never received the finished work of Jesus, I, I pray they might turn from their sins and cry out to Jesus tonight. Just confess that they're a sinner. Just acknowledge His sacrifice on the cross and seek His forgiveness. Lord, You're a God of mercy. And Lord, when we cry out to You in faith, You, you hear our cry. You forgive our sins. And so we would rejoice in that tonight. And, and we pray You might give us a few minutes just to prepare our hearts to focus on Jesus and His sacrifice. I, I pray we might be intentional, confessing all of our sins to you. Lord, may we be able to worship you in spirit and truth and celebrate your sacrifice tonight. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you need to make a decision tonight, if you need to come and pray tonight, prepare your heart for the Lord's Supper, we invite you to, to respond.
Amen. You can be seated. And uh, if uh, does everybody have the Lord's Supper materials? Anybody not have those? Somebody in the very back. Greg, you is that Greg? Oh, there's Greg. He'll get he'll get one for you. Anybody else need juice and bread? While they're getting that, anybody have a, a praise or something they want to praise the Lord for tonight? Amen. Amen. We're glad to glad to see you, Jim and Pam and Beverly and several of you. Good to see you tonight. All right. So I don't forget, just 8 o'clock Sunday morning, we'll be here. Love to have some of you here at 8. Dave's granddaughter is going to get baptized at the 8 o'clock service. So don't be coming in at 8.05. You'll miss it. Uh, so that'll be, and we got two, two baptisms at the uh, 11 o'clock service. The kids will be singing at the 11 o'clock service. And so uh, I'd love for you to, to maybe invite someone tomorrow. Maybe, maybe if everybody just called one person and invited them. Think about someone maybe nobody's invited yet and invite them to join you. We'd love for you to do that. I'm going to read from uh, Luke's account in Luke chapter 22, verse 14. When the hour came, he reclined. The hour, Jesus knew the hour was coming, the hour for him to, to give his life, and it was there. He re reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I'll not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And then he takes the bread and the drink. And so let me just pray, and, and uh, we got some new cups tonight, and the bread's on the top or the bottom it's it's easier and so uh, let me pray and then we'll we'll partake lord thank you that we can have a few minutes tonight and we can look back to the last supper you know you desire to to be able to celebrate that meal one last time with your disciples and uh and then you taught them about the new covenant the new covenant that would come through your blood and we're thankful for that tonight and uh, we pray that uh, as we remember your body that was broken and your blood that was shed, uh, that you'll be glorified and lifted up. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if you want to take that and get that piece of bread. He took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after he had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And so I invite you to open and drink and be reminded of the blood that Jesus shed for you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, this week we've been reminded of the events of that last week, especially the last days and we know after you partook of this meal, you went out into the garden and, and you prayed and, and you said, if there's any other way, but not my will, yours be done. And we know there was no other way. And we know that they came and arrested you and beat you and sped upon you and flogged you and nailed you to a cross. And we thank you that you would endure that for us. And we go tonight in praise of those, that beautiful word, it is finished. Thank you that you finished the work that you came to do. And that we're able to be saved through faith. 
And we praise you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, that is all our service tonight. We're going to play out, and uh, the deacons are going to come around, and they're going to kind of dismiss everybody so that we don't pile up at the door. But uh, happy Good Friday, and I'll see you on Sunday.